Uh, I'm Dan, I'm one of the leaders here, and uh, we're finishing off a, 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 um, a series in the book of Joshua, um, and we'll be reading some verses in just a few minutes. But as Luke has said, we're also just looking ahead uh, to the term ahead. And it, it's always a bit funny in Edinburgh, isn't it? I don't know if you find this. If you're a teacher, like term started a couple of weeks ago, didn't it? If you're a student, it starts sometime next month. And for the rest of us, we're kind of mildly sort of half engaged with life and the wonders of the festival, which are full flow. Uh, so it seems like a good time. We live in the overlap of the ages between, uh, between these different terms. But it seems like a good moment to talk about faith for the term ahead and uh, what we're expecting of God and what we're asking of God. Um, so the, the book of Joshua, as we've said many times, is a book about conquest. It's a book about how the people of God entered into the promised land and took it bit by bit. So we've been thinking particularly, what does it mean to apply this book to our lives today? We're in a different covenant. Uh, We've been called to a great commission to share the love and the power of Jesus with the whole world, to make disciples of every nation, to plant churches, and to express his kingdom wherever we are. And we're not called to do that forcefully. We're called to do that faithfully. Not forcefully, but faithfully. I thought that was a good line. So today we're going to look at the uh, chapter, chapter four of Joshua for a few minutes and look at how that means, what that means at the start of this new term. So Joshua four, we're going to read verses one to 24. I'm going to skip a few verses in the middle, which um, repeat some of the same information. So when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the numbers of the tribes of the Israelites, to serve As a sign among you in the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. On the 10th day of the first month, verse 19, the the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal at the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful so that you might always fear the Lord your God. In the story of Israel entering the promised land, this is a change point. And it's when they move from waiting in the wilderness for 40 years into the beginning of entering the land. They've just crossed the Jordan on dry ground, and everything begins to change from this point on. And I think it's fascinating at this point, God calls them to build a monument, because they haven't actually done anything yet. Isn't that interesting? God says, before we do anything, let's just celebrate me. Let's celebrate what the Lord has done and what the Lord is going to do. It's so important in our Christian lives. And at the beginning of a new term, 
that we remember that it's not about us first and foremost. It's actually about God. And as we start at the inset of this term together, we're going to see God do many things. How much land had they taken at this point? Zero. How many cities had they conquered? Zero. But God was saying, build the monument. These stones, therefore, symbolize and remind of God's plan and God's work. It's him, his faithfulness, his love, his grace, and his power. So I've got four things that these stones speak to us of today. Okay, you ready for four things? We're going to go quick. You ready for quick? I know I do slow normally, but... Okay, first one is this, that God's plan is people. That's evident in the choice of the stones. What do the stones represent? The 12 tribes of Israel. Now, if you'd read the whole of the Bible up to this point and creation and the exodus and the miracles and God's power at work, you might think, oh, it's just a book about miracles and power. But all of that is in the context of God creating the world so he could relate to people and doing miracles in the wilderness so so that he could bring a people through into their promised land. It does us well to remember that God's heart and plan is always people. The 12 tribes had descended from the 12 sons of Jacob, the grandson of Abraham. God's preoccupation is people. At the center of the Jewish sacrificial system, there was a priest who went into the holy place once a year, and he had an apron. And on that apron were embedded 12 precious gemstones, each different. And they represented the same thing, the 12 tribes of Israel. Literally, the high priest carried God's people on his heart in the most holy place before the presence of God. And the New Testament says that Jesus is our great high priest. And do you know who he carries on his heart? You and me. We're right there before God, remembered by him. And he is... He's thinking of us and praying for us. God chose and made them the centerpiece of his purposes and made himself known to the world to invite others into his family. 1 Peter says that we are called living stones built into a spiritual house. God's plan for us is that he should include us in his plan. And perhaps like those stones being drawn out of the Jordan, which were no doubt washed by a river for centuries, They'd probably been a bit rounded and worn. You know, the greatest thing of all is that Jesus doesn't just leave us to ourselves. He doesn't just say, you be you. He says, I'm going to knock all the rough edges of you and make you more like Jesus, make you more uniquely you, but make you more like Jesus so that you find your place in this place that he has for you called the family of God, the people of God. There was a tribe in Israel called the tribe of Dan. It's my favorite. (laughs) They were the second largest tribe in Israel, a place of great importance, therefore. But do you know what? God gave them a special place. In Numbers 2, God said, you're at the back. Do you know why he did that? Because they were the rear guard for Israel when they were marching. And they were called the the collectors of God's people. That, That meant that they basically picked up all the lost property when they were marching. What a job. And... They also picked up the stragglers, the people who were elderly or infirm, or the children who couldn't walk any further. And they said, come on, you come with us. They were pastors. (laughs) That's what God's called us to be like as the people of God, to be those who gather and collect people. God's plan for Israel wasn't that they should be a holy huddle and that they should just 
be themselves, but they were there to bless and uh, to, to minister to the nations of the earth and make God's glory known to everybody and to bring others into the knowledge of God. So let's remind ourselves at the beginning of this year, this beginning of this term, that people matter to God. And at a time of year when there'll be many new faces in Edinburgh, let's be those who deliberately gather them in. Because God has a plan to include people, including you and me. That's the first one. God's plan is great. Second one. I have have some good responsiveness over here. This is good. (laughs) The second one. God's plan is rooted in past grace. God obviously doesn't need reminders. He didn't say build the monument so I remember. He says build the monument so you remember. Um, So in the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. He says, so this is what it's a reminder of, God's past power. This is a change point in the story for another reason, that up until this point, they'd had miracle bread provided every day of their life. Every day. It's like, oh, wow, where are we going to get food from today? Oh, God's provided food miraculously. Quail. In fact, How are we going to get across this river? Oh, God's going to create a dry ground. He's going to miraculously cause us to cross the Red Sea and then the River Jordan. At this point, the miracles seem to stop. At least the daily miracles seem to stop. No more bread from heaven. You're going to have to find your own food from now on. How tough is that? But God had brought them into a new place in a new land where they didn't need the miracles for bread. But they were going to still have to trust him. The danger was that their children might grow up and say, well, well you know, who is God? And, and therefore God said, build a monument because I always want you to remind the next generation again and again that God is powerful and he does the miraculous. We're called to be those who know our history. We're called to be those who look back. Generations would grow up not having seen or experienced, but they would still believe. The centerpiece of the the Christian faith is obviously the cross and resurrection of Jesus. And the Apostle Thomas, he boldly said, well, I'm not going to believe it until I see it for myself. Do you know how Jesus responded to him? Graciously, he did show himself to him. But then Jesus said, you know what, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. We receive the blessing of Jesus because we haven't seen, yet we believe, yet it's in the past, 2,000 years ago. Scriptures call us to remember again and again and again, 250 times. That's because we're forgetful. I was, uh, I was away this week um, at a, like a pastor's thing, and it was in a hotel up in Dunkeld. And it was a really nice hotel. And I got home and I said, said to you, I said, wow, this hotel was just lovely that we, we went to for this conference. And she said, oh, where was it? And I explained it. And she said, yeah, we've actually been there. <laughs> and I said, no. And uh, apparently we had. Just, I, did, I hadn't remembered that. I mean, it was clearly a very special time. Um, but probably when we had young kids and we just slept all the time or something. But um, we're bad at remembering, especially the works of God. When Jesus gave us the gift of communion, bread and wine, he said, do this in. So we're to be those who remember that the monument of the Christian faith is the cross and the empty tomb of Jesus. And we don't see it physically. We remember it in the bread and the wine. If you need strength for the battle ahead, we look back to the cross. When the Israelites needed strength for the battle ahead, they'd say, let's go and look at those stones in Gilgal again and just remind ourselves. 
How do we know that the gospel will bear fruit as we share it? How do we know that churches will thrive when we plant them? Because the cross and the resurrection of Jesus still has power today. Here's the third thing. So we have God's plan is uh, people. God's plan is, is past grace that affects our present. Here's the third thing. God's plan is for discipleship. So in Joshua chapter 5, this is the next chapter, at the same place in Gilgal, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites at Gibeath Haraloth. And this is why he did so, that those who came out of Egypt, all the men of military age, died in the wilderness on the way after leaving Egypt. All the people that came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness during the journey from Egypt had not. In Jewish culture, circumcision was a gift from God that identified you as God's people. To not be circumcised meant that you really associated with a former life. It meant you associated with the ways of Egypt and what the Egyptians believed. And it was this very clear thing saying, well, are you in or are you out of God's people? And so in this, in this scenario, in this moment, Joshua circumcises all of the people who have not yet been circumcised. And it represented their identity in God, leaving the past and coming into this identity that God has for them, which was different from the world that they'd left in Egypt and in the wilderness. Jesus didn't call us to make converts, but disciples. People's lives changed, freed from worldly thinking and who live for him. And it starts with the external symbol of baptism, where, which symbolizes an internal change that Jesus brings about when we are born again. But then it carries on by teaching us to obey everything that he has commanded. That's what the Great Commission says. So here's what marks us out as the people of God. It's our identity, which looks like behaviors that we are taught. Therefore, we need to be equipped to know what the Bible teaches, to know what he's calling us to be like. Circumcision was, uh, was clearly a painful process. Um, I was just aware because I've, I've cut my fingers. This wasn't a circumcision injury, just to, to, to let you know. We, we don't do that here, just Galatians, all of that. But, um, so the, but, but the, 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 the uh, <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> I don't know. Just sorry, I'd lost a couple of you there for a moment. We, we are. <laughs> We're called to teach. Circumcision was a painful process. Joshua 5 says that they had to be healed from it. They had to stay where they were to be healed. You know, when we minister God's word to one another, it's not always easy. It's not always just cheering people on and saying, well done. It's actually sometimes speaking things that change the whole way we've thought all of our lives because God wants to give us our new identity, which will set us free to live for him. Therefore, we speak the truth to one another. We equip one another. The Bible says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. That's the third thing. It's, it's a plan of discipleship. And these stones fourthly symbolize God's plan. Uh, it requires faith and readiness. Uh, it says in Joshua 4 that the, the, the that the people came as at the same time as they were building the monument to, to the past, they were also preparing themselves for battle and picking up swords, 40,000 of them. 
ready for what God had ahead for them. As Christians, we often uh, go into one of these two camps. One is that we become the backward-looking people who we're just always just looking at the cross and talking about the past and just enjoying what God has done for us, and we think very little about what God is calling us to. Or we can tend to be activists who are always just thinking about how we can change the world and make the world a different kind of place, and we sometimes lose track of the wonders of grace and the cross and all that God has done for us. Gilgal wasn't their final destination. The cross of Jesus wasn't the final destination for the gospel. It was to go to the ends of the earth. We therefore live expectant of God working in the months ahead as we move. But it was going to take battles. The miracles were less, the battles were more. Yet God was still going to be with them in the battles. I've been thinking a bit more about the nature of the battle. It's not forceful, but it is faithful. It's a message of truth and love on offer for everyone. And it's not always well received. But love is sometimes too broad a word to define the specifics of what that looks like. So sometimes I think, well, what does it look like for us to share the love of God? And I was just just drawn to what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 6 as he defined what the battle looked like. And I I wonder if we could just think for a moment for ourselves as we look at these months ahead as to some of the challenges that we might face. Paul said, we we put no stumbling block in anyone's path. Anybody here find it hard not to deliberately annoy people sometimes? Well, Paul said, said, I'm working hard at that. I don't want to stumble people unnecessarily. I don't want to get the last word in all the time just to be right so that our ministry will not be discredited as servants of God. How many here know that the next few months is going to require something of them in terms of their lives and laying it down for others? We commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, How many here know that they're just going to have to keep going and keep going and keep going with the things that God has put on their plate over these next few months? Anybody? Yeah. In troubles, hardships, and distresses, how many people think they might face some adverse situations over the next three months? Yeah, okay. I'm beginning to win a few people here. Okay. In beatings, imprisonments, and riots. There was times when Paul experienced abuse. We live in a culture where sadly many do. But do you know, it's not the end of the story for Paul, and that's not the end of the story for any of us. In hard work, anybody here got some work challenges over the next few months? In sleepless nights, anybody here struggling to sleep? Any parents of young children? in purity, in understanding, in patience and kindness, just doing the right stuff, and in truthful speech, Holy Spirit and sincere love, in truthful speech, learning to say and speak when we feel inclined to be silent, and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in our right hand and left, through glory and dishonor, bad report, good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, Known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing yet possessing everything. This is what 
love looks like as we move into the battle, serving others, speaking to others, keeping going, hard work, tiredness, seeking protection when things get dangerous, keeping our joy even when sorrow abounds. When he speaks of weapons of righteousness, I'm reminded of Ephesians 6, where Paul said at the end of the armor of God, he said, uh, therefore pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of requests. Therefore, if we're going to be a people who battle, we must, must be a people of prayer so that we can win the battles. Pray in the spirit on all occasions. So let me move this into the next few minutes where we're just going to share a few things from the term ahead. So if we're going to be a people, uh, if we're going to be a church who values people, then that means we look to gather people in. And you'll find four words in, the, in this book that you have here, this leaflet. Uh, gather, witness, equip, and pray. If we're, going to be, if we're going to have a focus on people, we must gather them. And secondly, if we're going to be a people who, uh, who, who believe in what the power of the cross and the resurrection is, and what that monument means for the world today, then we must be a people of witness. And thirdly, if we're to be those who pursue discipleship, we must be those who equip one another. And if we're to be a people who battle and fight for all that God's called to share his love in this world, then we must be a people who pray. So we're going to look briefly at these four themes. And firstly, uh, Will and Ariane, could you come and join me? Uh, please. Um, so, yeah, these are absolutely love these guys. Um, so, Will and Ariane um, are leading our student work at King's, and uh, Joe and Nate were leading this so brilliantly uh, until we said to Joe, Would you come and lead King's kids for us? And then, wonderfully, these guys have uh, said, we, we will lead student work. So, just share something of your heart, guys, for. The months ahead, it's obviously an important time, so and then uh, that'd be great. Thanks. Yes, yeah, so as Dan just said, we're Will and Ariane, um, and we'll be leading student work at King's um, this year. Um, we're really excited about it, and excited to see what God's, God's going to do through the students um, this year. Just wondering if we can have a quick show of hands of anyone who's uh, ever been a student here in Edinburgh. Hands in the air. Yeah, quite a few Ariane was as well. Well, brilliant. You're all also signed up onto the student team now, and hopefully <laughs> hopefully the rest of you will be signed up in just a minute as well. Um, so over the next few weeks, there's going to be tens of thousands of students arriving in Edinburgh for the first time and also coming back to resume their studies. As a church family, we really want to be reaching out to them, regardless of their church background, and we want to be welcoming them into our family. Um, Yeah, we want to be a family where students can really grow in their relationship with Jesus. Uni can be such a pivotal time for students' relationships with God. Um, I know Will and I really found that with our time at uni, that it it did really mark us and change us and made us the people that we are today. Um, We believe that, um, yeah, that's probably also the same for lots of you guys that just raised your hands. Um, We believe that um, whilst we're the ones up here giving the notice, you're all on the student team in some capacity, just in welcoming students um, into the family. Yeah, we have a vision to see students fully integrated into the whole church family. Um, And it's been so wonderful over the last couple of years to see students um, inside normal people, small groups. Um, It's so special having intergenerational discipling relationships that those small groups can provide really well. Um, And so we'll be continuing them, 
We'll also be gathering students um, each Sunday. Oh no, we'll, we will be doing that, but I'm misreading my notes. Uh, we'll be running a new student welcome small group um, for students who are new to, new to Edinburgh and new to church. It can be a bit daunting coming into big new city, big new church, not knowing many faces. Actually, we want to really be gathering um, those students together and helping that be a bit of a springboard into normal people, small groups. Um, yeah. As Will just alluded to, we also do want to be really building a strong sense of student community. We want to be gathering students and young people together. So we'll be continuing to have student lunches um, each Sunday in people's homes. Thank you so much for people that have already offered to host this term. Um, and yeah, we're, we're looking forward to many more of you doing that. Um, yeah, it's such a blessing for students when families do open up their homes and speak to students in their love language, which is, of course... Food. <laughs> um, we've also got lots of other plans to gather students together and see them being discipled, um, including socials and a group with final years to chat about what life after uni might involve. Um, with that in mind, we're also keen to, um, to keep those who maybe are moving to Edinburgh for work or, or kind of have just finished uni and not quite sure where they're at, um, to keep those kind of integrated and, and coming along to student things with if as well you, you meet people who are new to Edinburgh or new to church um, and maybe they're not a student, do still invite them along to student lunch, point them in our direction, invite them to your small groups, etc. Um, yeah, as we said, we want everyone to be seeing it as their job to be welcoming and gathering together with students, both new and returning. Um, so we're leading the official team along with Suzanne, who I actually can't see in the room at the moment. Um, but if anyone else feels really stirred in what we've said so far, um, we'd love it if you wanted to join the team in a slightly more official capacity. So do come up and chat to us, or even if you just want to know a bit more of our vision, um, do come and find us at any point. Um, thank you so much. Cheers. Such a challenging time. Uh, coming away to university, we know that some Christian students, it's a time of deciding really whether they're going to follow Jesus or not. So let's grab them with both hands and do everything that uh, Will and Ariane are asking of us. Uh, Will mentioned small groups as well um, for us as a church, and we, we have many small groups. Just want to say, after a bit of a summer break, now is the time to re-engage. So if you haven't re-engaged with small groups yet, now is the time. To, to do life together, to care for one another, to build one another up. Do get along as often as you can and build meaningful family and community. We do the big gathering and we do the small groups, which is how we build family in Kings. Uh, we're also, and see yourself as like the tribe of Dan, hoovering up the people who need a small group. Make sure your group looks outwards and involves other and invites people in wherever they can. And we also have a new welcome group starting here at our building. That's just an easier place for someone to access. Peter and Fiona, uh, when they get back from their holidays, are going to be starting that uh, in mid-September on a Tuesday evening here. We'll tell you more about that as that approaches. And sometimes we like to do the big church thing together socially. We're going to have a big church lunch on the 17th of September. Do prioritize that if you can. Lunchtime here straight after church so that we can eat together and get to know one another outside of our small groups and just really be one giant big family. It's usually a lot of fun and chaos. So let's gather. Secondly, let's witness. I'm going to hand over to Chris. Isn't it exciting just to think about what God has in store over these next few months? You're allowed to feel excited about that. 
You know, one of the last things that Jesus told his followers before he ascended was that they would receive power from the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses in their city and in their nation and to the ends of the earth. And he commissioned them to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them everything that that he had told them. And if you're a follower of Jesus, this is your commission. And as a church, it's our goal to be a great commissioned people, to be Jesus' witnesses among our family, friends, colleagues, and strangers too. It's so key to our calling as a church that we have invested a lot of time in growing in this area over the past year or so, but we don't want to let that momentum fade. We don't want this to become a last year thing. We want you to be more equipped in your personal evangelism, more confident in the gospel and bolder in sharing your faith with other people this term. That's why we're doing these four things. Firstly, uh, next month, all our small groups right across Kings are going to be starting a four-week course called Share Life. Share Life was put together by a member of Kings, uh, Guy Pembroke, who many of you will know. He's a, a passionate and gifted evangelist. Maybe you don't feel particularly strong in that gift. Well, we can learn from others. And I really think we can learn a lot from Guy in this area which is why we as elders have asked him to just reshape this course for use in small groups this term. Every small group is going to be just doing share life in their normal small group setting. There's going to be a couple of short videos to watch and loads of time to chat and discuss and throw things around with one another and to practice together as a group. Your small group leader will be able to give you a booklet to go along with it. And we are believing that the Holy Spirit is going to help each one of us to grow in our personal evangelism through Share Life this term. Then towards the end of Share Life, towards the end of the course, we've got a really exciting event happening at King's on Sunday, the 8th of October. We have asked an evangelist called Adrian Holloway to come and speak at our normal Sunday morning meeting. And we're hoping this is going to be a meeting that loads of you invite people to particularly people who don't yet know Jesus. Adrian is is someone we know well, and God has really used him to help loads of people come to know Jesus and to be saved. He's so gifted at clearly preaching the gospel and seeing people respond. And as well as that, God has used him in remarkable ways to see loads of people healed to see lots and lots of medically verified healings taking place in answer to prayer. In fact, last time he came to Kings a few years ago, uh, Jocelyn, Jocelyn, give us a wave at the back. Jocelyn um, was healed as Adrian was was just praying from the front. She was sitting in her seat and Adrian just said, hey, why don't you, as I pray, why don't you just maybe lay a hand on on the part of the body that, that you feel is needing healing? And Jocelyn had been struggling with crippling arthritis in her feet and knees and hips and lower back. And simply as she prayed along with Adrian, God brought immediate healing, which was so exciting that she was able to to run to the back of the auditorium, then run to the front and jump up on stage, which wasn't something she'd been able to get near earlier that day because of the pain she was in. And we believe This day on on the 8th of October is going to be a day where loads of people encounter the love and power of God 
maybe even for the first time, through the gospel being preached and through signs and wonders. So put this uh, in your diary. Get it in now and start inviting people now. It's only a few weeks away. Another way we can witness this term is by joining with our street cafe team. This is something that folks from Kings have been doing now for about a year, and it's brought great fruit already. Loads of good conversations and people coming along to Kings as a result. There's about 10 people on average that meet on a Saturday at 9.45 at the building and then head over to the meadows to set up a table and to pass out free hot drinks to people and chat to people who want to stop and talk. The goal is to care for people and share the good news of Jesus. It finishes by about 12.30 or you could just pop by for however long you can manage one Saturday. And it can be great to do these things together with friends. So I want to encourage you as a, as a small group, I want to encourage your small group to pick one Saturday between now and Christmas to go along and help out with Street Cafe together, as well as serving hot drinks and showing kindness to passers-by. It's a great opportunity to learn from others as they're sharing faith alongside you. Again, Guy leads the team, so uh, speak to him. If you want to know more, or you can email us in the, in the church office for more details as well. And then finally, being a witness for Jesus involves explaining the good news and making disciples. And we have a great tool for doing just that. It's called POD, Path of Disciples. This is for people who are unsure about Jesus, but open to learning more, or people who've already said yes to God, but They want to understand the good news just that bit better. And it's for those who want to teach other people those things and help other people through those things. It takes place in groups of two or three, a time and place that suits you. It's really easy to use. It's already helped loads of people come to a clear understanding of faith in Jesus and what it looks like to walk with him. So maybe you're interested in doing pod yourself or um, maybe you want to, Maybe you want to lead other people through. Maybe you want to get the materials to help lead other people through on these things. Well, you can email pod at kingschurchedinburgh.org or you can speak to somebody at the Connect desk who will be able to link you up and get you the right info. So as we ask God to make us his witnesses in Edinburgh, in Scotland, and to the ends of the earth, I'm confident He is going to answer that prayer. And I believe he's going to use some of these things to do it. Amen? Amen. I'm going to hand over to Luke, who's going to talk about another area we're focusing on this term. Yep, we want to um, equip you to grow as a follower of Jesus and to do good to others in that. So we've got um, three different uh, ways we're particularly going to focus on doing that this term. Uh, The first is our preaching series that will be happening um, every Sunday, pretty much, uh, from next Sunday. And it's going to be called The Better Story, Living God's Plan, for his creation. It's really important that we understand the goodness of God's story, particularly as it relates to controversial and important areas of life. I think um, sometimes Christians, you you might be speaking to someone who's not a Christian and and they'll be like, why do you believe that? And you might be like, I don't know, you told me to. And that sounds awful. Yeah, it does a bit. And 
we don't want you to think that way. We're aware that many Christians aren't confident in the goodness of God's story or even what that story is and what it means. And so we want to tell that in a really powerful and compelling way so that you can be confident and joyful about it yourself, but also so that you can share it confidently and joyfully with other people. And so the way we're going to do this is we're going to look at some of the key themes in the Bible that are established right in the creation accounts at the start of Genesis and that are completed right in the end, the very final chapters of Revelation. So these aren't just like, oh, we found a verse somewhere. These are like massive parts of the big story. And we're going to look at um, uh, topics such as gender and sexuality and work and caring for creation and, you know, massive things like that. Um, that's what this series is going to be about. We'll also, because these are big issues, we'll be uh, providing uh, follow-up resources and a couple of other events and things like that as well uh, to help process the implications of some of those things. I believe it's going to do us good, but also it's going to do other people good as well. We are making a few changes to our leadership training program, which we call Grow. Uh, Last year, you basically had to sign up for all of it right at the start. This year, we're going to say, no, you can sign up to individual events as they come over the course of the year. It's also going to cost a lot less. Um, This term, there's going to be two sessions. On Friday, the 6th of October in the evening, uh, Dan's going to be leading a session called Ministering in the Holy Spirit. So if you've ever, even this morning, as you were kind of noticing that God was speaking and doing things amongst people and through people, you're like, how does that work? How did, how did he think that? How did she do that? This is a great session for you. This is so important for us, the church. We aren't just you know, a lively church. We're a church filled with the Holy Spirit. And that means we need to be full of people who are able to minister the Holy Spirit to one another. Dan's got loads of experience in this. So he's going to be teaching us about that. And then on Sunday, the 25th of November, I'm going to be leading a session called The Bible in One Day. If you have ever felt a bit lost when you're reading the Bible um, at any point, basically like, where's this gone? Why is this happening? Who are they? Why are all these names the same? Any of that kind of stuff. Um, If it's hard for you to think about God's truth without basically being like, oh, I know that verse or I always remember that story. If you want a bit more than that, Um, Well, this is a day uh, for you. And again, we believe it's going to give you confidence in God's word. So I'm going to take us through the entire story, uh, the events kind of as they happen in order, the themes as they uh, continue to rise and fall and become clearer as the story goes on. We'll also explain the different types of writing uh, that you'll find in the Bible as well. And we're going to somehow fit that in into just a few hours. Um, So that'll be great and a fun challenge. Um, and then we'll do more of Grow in the spring. There'll be three more events there. Each of these is open to anyone. There's individual signups. The Fridays are free. The Saturdays are a fiver uh, just to cover lunch costs, and uh, they are for you if you want to grow because we want to help you do that. And then the final thing is just a reminder for many of you, if you've been around, you'll have heard of running partners uh, before. Now, despite the name and even the image, you don't have to run uh, to do running partners. Uh, Some people might, um, but the point is to be helping one another to run the race that God has marked out for us, which is a biblical metaphor. That's why we use that title. Running partners are groups of three people who choose to meet together on a kind of regular basis every few weeks or so for an hour or maybe two hours uh, to really encourage one another and to pray for one another. So not just like, oh, that's nice. Oh, okay, yeah, sure. But actually like, well, how is that going? Okay, let's pray about that. That sounds really difficult. Have you, are you really thinking about this properly? Could you please help me? Those kind of questions, those kind of conversations are what running partners are all about. So it's a place that uh, it probably just gives you a little bit more um, capacity for honesty than even a small group does. We love small groups. They are part of our family, but 
it can be difficult in the middle of a small group to say, oh, here's my issue I'm really struggling with right now. Or here's how this topic is really painful for me. But Running Partners is a place that you can do that and a place where you can also encourage others to really go for it. It can be a really life-changing thing to have friendships like this. And Running Partners helps to make that happen. Uh, we would love to connect you with others. If you don't have someone to do that with, you like, I would love it if someone would help me with that. We would love to help make that happen. And um, as with all of these things, uh, there'll be information about them in the news email this week. And they're all on our website as well. So you can find out about them there. Right. The next thing I think is that Guy is going to come and share a little about a little bit. Oh, Dan's going to introduce Guy as he shares about that. Is that right? I don't need that. Thanks. Oh, actually, I'll keep that. Yeah. Um, yeah, Guy, come come and join me. So, um, just a, just another area we've been equipping people in over the last few months is debt debt advice. And Guy and the team have been working really hard to to get something off the ground, which is going to be a blessing. So, yeah. Um, yes, I was um, able to leave work um, and retire early. At last year and Dan approached me and asked would you be able to help people um, set up a budgeting service to help people to learn to budget to plan their, their income and their expenditure as much as we can and also to help those who have got into um, difficulties with debt with unmanaged and un- unmanaged unmanageable debt and I said well I'll go away that was a bit of a tall order so I said, I'll go away and pray about that. And that week, um, somebody I know quite well came to me, and this kind of conversation, I can't remember this happening before, but came to me and they said, Guy, I haven't been able to budget very well. I'm in thousands of pounds worth of debt. I was, I was, I was gobsmacked. I had no idea. I could, um, I could listen, I could show empathy because I, I know in my life what it's like to not know where the next meal's coming from. I've had that experience. But I couldn't help the person. I didn't know what to do. And so I went back to Dan and said, yes, I need to be able to help these kind of people. Yep. And I'd ask for your help in a team of six of us um, have got trained, quite a bit of training, two or three days of training. There's some expertise behind us, thankfully, as well. And I'd ask for your help in two ways. One is pray for us in this community money advice. It's about budgeting and helping people with debt. Pray for us. We would love to be able to help three or four people this year. That's what we'd like to do. Yeah. We haven't helped anyone yet. Pray for us. And secondly, perhaps you would like some to discuss budgeting or perhaps you're in a situation you wouldn't like to be in and, and you're in unmanaged debt, then we can help confidentially at no cost and with expertise behind us. We can help. Thank you. Yeah, that's such a wonderful blessing that we, we knew as we came into a financial squeeze in the nation that for us to be able to serve others as a church with debt advice would be such a helpful thing and that will bear some fruit in the, in the months ahead. So God bless you guys. Thank you so much. And team who are involved with that. Um, so um, there, there are many other things that Kings does as well. But by the way, if you're, um, if you're writing notes and you're on page seven of things that we're asking you to be involved with this term, and uh, you're like, I can't do all of it. So we're not, we're not saying that you should be doing everything. 
that we're saying. Of course, these are here to serve and bless and, and things that hopefully will simulate and be of service. And we'd love you to, to be involved in it. Just prayerfully think about uh, what God is calling you to participate over these next months. But that, that leads me on to the final uh, section, which is pray, pray. We're called to pray. And um, I'd love to invite you to respond in, in three ways in the place of prayer, which is where the battles are won. Amen. So here's the first thing. We're seeing wonderful things happen at Pray at 10 on a Sunday morning. Uh, 10 o'clock for 20 minutes. We had 20 people in the room again this morning. And we're seeing God breaking through increasingly on Sunday mornings as we pray and ask him to come and be amongst us in power. Uh, Here's the second way that you can participate in corporate prayer as a church. We're going to do Sunday night prayer uh, in blocks of four or five Sunday evenings. We don't run every Sunday of the year because we find that there's a sort of momentum and thing that happens when we we have a block of prayer. Uh, The first of those is starting, I think, on the 24th of September, the week after the church lunch, and then it'll run for four weeks. It's for an hour on a Sunday evening, 6.30 till 7.30 in the side hall, and we're just praying for God's kingdom to come and for his will to be done. And then the third uh, invitation to prayer that we'd love to give you is the, um, it's called the New Ground Scotland Prayer. It's called Lengthen, Strengthen, Spread Out. King's Church is a family on a mission filled with the Spirit, and we feel particularly in this season he's calling us to lengthen and strengthen and spread out in terms of the future and church planting. And we're going to be praying together with two other churches in our Scottish hub of New Ground Churches, King's West Lothian and Hope Church in the Borders, they're going to travel here to our building to pray with us on that day. And it's going to be an exciting day, 10.30 till 3.30, and uh, right here in this room, praying for God to strengthen what he's already doing in our churches. So the morning especially, we're going to be praying for each of these three churches, praying and prophesying. And then in the afternoon, Dave Holden is going to be with us, and he's going to be sharing a word with us about uh, spreading out and going and commissioning, and we're going to be praying for towns and cities across uh, the nation for God to send workers into the harvest field and for churches to be planted. So does that sound exciting? So please come. And I know if you've got young kids, you might need to do a swap halfway through the the day. There's a 45-minute lunch break where you can do that. Lunch is provided if you sign in uh, via the news email. You can pick your sandwich. Yeah, how exciting is that? To make sure that you find something that you will look forward to on the lunchtime. So we're going to respond now by just praying in response. We're pretty much out of time, but I'd love to just get into groups of four or five. And why do we just lift these, this term to God? Why do we give ourselves to God and ask him to help us as we endeavor to see his kingdom come and his will be done? So maybe just turn around, maybe somebody you just met earlier on and just say, you just got like one minute to pray together. So don't chat and chat and chat. Just pray, lift the term to God and ask for his help.